Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and of course ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts, guys, free land education. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, along with my co-host, Teresa Martin, uh, who's one of our agents uh, in our firm. Buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or Southern Virginia, just give us a shout, guys. We'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and our company website's www.allsuttonproperties, that's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N properties.com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and our members, and our national website is www.rliland.com, that's R-L-I-Land.com. Hey, if you're buying or selling land, uh, you need to go to that website and identify one of our 1,600 members or 500-plus accredited land consultants like myself with advanced education uh, because we, uh, we're, we're the best. Uh, we can help you save money and we can help you make money. So make sure you go to our national website and identify the closest agent to uh, your property. Hey, our guest today is David Whitaker. Welcome, David. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. This is our 150, number 150, podcast and radio show, and you're the perfect guest to uh, help us celebrate it. Well, congratulations on 150. I know. It seems like we just got started. It's been a lot of fun. Learned a lot and hopefully shared that with uh, many, many people. Where are you calling from, David? I am located in Ames, Iowa. Ames, Iowa. Put, put a dart on it. Where is that located? Uh, so Dead Center, Iowa, uh, where Iowa State University would be the college uh, town that I live in here. Oh, cool. But, uh, so Central Midwest, Corn Belt, and uh, Dead Center, Iowa would be Ames, uh, north of Des Moines, around 30 miles. I gotcha. So it's like a bedroom community, huh? 30 miles, that's, the, that's sort of like where we are from Winston-Salem, uh, a little bit less. Correct. Actually. Yeah. So you're an accredited land consultant like myself, one of uh, right around 500 nationwide. It's quite a quite a designation to earn, isn't it? It is. It is. It took me maybe longer than most, but I well, I uh, got through all the classes and found them very helpful. Yeah, I think it took me five years. So uh, it's uh, a lot to it. It's like getting a master's degree or a doctor's degree and what we do. And uh, congratulations and uh, and glad to glad to be with you. You're also a licensed auctioneer, and you have also another designation which is accredited through the uh, uh, auction, of course, it's through your state auction, uh, or nationally, actually, and that's the CIA. CAI, I always do that. <laughs> CAI designation. And you're known as the land guy. I'm known as the land man, so uh, we have that in common. And uh, you have a beautiful wife, Ann. You got children? I do. I have uh, two kids. Uh, Colton's 11 and Caleb is uh, 7. Wow, that's a great spread and what great names. I'm sure they're 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 a ball of fun, and um, so just recently I'm gonna kind of go sketch out your background here a little bit. Uh, of course, I mentioned you're an accredited land consultant. Uh, you've been a licensed agriculture real estate broker for about 12 years. Uh, of course, you've been experienced in the auction industry, and you and your beautiful wife Ann uh, started a company a number of years ago, uh, for which you have since left uh, left her holding the bags. Uh, and uh, joined Farmers National. And just for the record, um, Sam Kane, who was uh, an ALC, as well as was our national president, I believe, in 2008, uh, he was our podcast number 10. So we uh, talked extensively about uh, Farmers National, which is an incredible organization. Uh, and, um, and so you've, you've joined that as the... Uh, uh, area sales manager in the Midwest. What kind of territory are you going to cover? Correct. I am uh, Sam Kane was actually my predecessor, and yep. he was the one who recruited me for his job. So I am the new Sam Kane, is normally how I refer to myself to the local people that everybody knew Sam. 
that gives me a district of the Midwest uh, uh, from Iowa, Illinois, uh, down to Missouri, um, some into Minnesota and Nebraska, but more just uh, uh, Missouri, Iowa, and Illinois. So you're the Sam came with hair. That's You got it. You got it. <laughs> when Sam was national president, uh, we always, in the old days, they used to spend, it was crazy, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 or more. Uh, at our at our annual event to uh, to uh, uh, swear in our our new um, uh, president vice president and so on, and they'd have this big catered dinner and a guest band, and they'd always give out gifts. And Sam gave out a uh, beautiful covered uh, uh, notebook for eight and a half book, uh, kind of uh, kind of an embroidered feel with the ALC or the RLI ALC logo on it. And his name and the year, and I still carry that to this day and proud to have it. So uh, Sam, Sam, Sam was uh, made quite a dent in the organization, and, and uh, I hope he has a wonderful uh, and successful retirement. He deserves it. He's um, been a great, great uh, source to our industry. So your company uh, that your wife now runs is the Whitaker Marketing Group and Auctions and Appraisal. You also used to have the real estate arm, but since you moved over, you guys have uh, renamed your company, Whitaker Marketing Group Auction and Appraisals. Is that right? That is correct, yes. We had a, a real estate firm slash auction company, and uh, uh, when I moved to uh, Farmers National as their area sales manager, all of our real estate now goes through Farmers National, but uh, we still do uh, uh, channel appraisals, still uh, uh, well and alive in the auction industry, uh, and my wife is kind of heading up that as I moved on to uh, a bigger bigger bat to swing, I guess. Absolutely. And I, was, I wanted to talk a little bit about that company, and that's okay, because you guys are doing something really unique out there. And then I think the topic that we decided today, which you really have a lot of experience and expertise I'd love for you to share with our listening audience uh, this morning, is uh, the new ways to market land. Uh, maybe going back and kind of talking about what's been going on for the last 10 or 20 years, uh, what's going on now, and then maybe get your crystal ball out. Uh, mine broke, so I won't be able to help you there. And uh, kind of peer into what the future looks like, uh, which is probably going to be pretty interesting. So um, with that, I want to give a little bit about your background. Uh, you, you went to um, Bismarck State University and then the Iowa State University and got a degree in agriculture. Is that right? I, I'm actually still a student at Iowa State University okay. uh, working in ag business. Um, if we back up a little bit, uh, Bismarck State University uh, in Bismarck, North Dakota, I got a degree in paramedicine and firefighting, and I've worked for the first uh, 20 years of my career as a uh, firefighter uh, for the City of Ames Fire Department. And all that while, uh, most firefighters have a side job, I learned to sell real estate. And so I started and worked as an auction and real estate firm which then led me to early retirement and a new job and a new education. So I'm currently enrolled at Iowa well, State uh, in agriculture uh, business and, and ag studies. Well, we appreciate your service. I'll be a little braggadocious. I'm the uh, chairman of the board of our uh, Pilot Mountain Rescue and EMS squad. Started in 1968 with 28 volunteers. And uh, by the way, we're trying to raise some money to, to build a new building. We've been in ours for many, many years. And our latest piece of equipment, uh, backing it in, I think the mirror's about an inch and a half on each side, and we've got some rescue equipment that uh, it may take us a half an hour just to dig it out when you need to get it and get it to the scene. So uh, we're uh, getting ready to start a big campaign. But uh, uh, thank you for your service, and it's, uh, I tell you, the work uh, that they're fire and rescue and police, uh, they, they, they all need to be acknowledged uh, in our Definitely. military, too. So you also went to uh, University of Iowa. Uh, what was that venture school? That was, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I guess. And so I uh, started first in the auction industry and uh, no family, no uh, business to teach you. And most guys, kids, uh, when they go to auction school, you come out and you think you sound like a million bucks, but you really don't. <laughs> and uh, you're very $1, $2, $2. You're not very quick or fast. 
And so I wanted to practice. And so I said, how do you practice? And I surely somewhere on the Internet there is some kind of practice software. Nobody had one. So I worked with uh, an entrepreneurial program to create a software called Virtual Auction. Yeah, And it puts you in a virtual auction environment and lets you practice if you want to practice million dollars. How about a million one, million two? And um, so that was kind of our first venture. And then my wife and I uh, actually went to University of Iowa. Venture school is what they call it. We had another uh, idea uh, to bring to life uh, for breastfeeding mothers. And so it was an application uh, that uh, helped new moms. Sure, of course. And so it was kind of my wife's deal, and we took that forward. And so we attended University of Iowa Venture School is what we attended. So, wow. That's uh, yep. quite a lot of education. <laughs> but that's all good. <laughs> it all ties in together. I'm trying to see how, but uh, especially the breastfeeding. I like that part. Yeah, ne- never stop learning. It. it what it did teach me is uh, what we're going to actually talk about, though, and how it ties in is tech and moving forward and uh, marketing your business. And as an entrepreneur, you had to market and compete against the big guys, the yep. Farmers Nationals of That's the world. Right. If you're a if you're a one man band trying to make it and uh, start selling farmland against uh, eight hundred million dollar companies. That's pretty tough. Yeah. And so as an entrepreneur, that's what you learn. So although it was for a different demographic, it sure was applicable in all the uh, uh, insight that we gained from that school. Sure. And, of course, branding is the key. Uh, you know, I'm getting ready to teach. Um, I, I, I'm, when the Land 101 class came out in 2003 for the Realtors Land Institute, we have 10 courses. We had as many as 15. And these are two-day, 16-hour tested courses, 10 million in sales. Final exam, it's uh, it's quite a lot to go through to uh, earn that designation, and that's why there's so few of us, I guess. But uh, but uh, uh, I also created a um, CE class for the state of North Carolina. We're required eight hours, four required uh, for every one class. Uh, that's updates on forms and laws, and then, uh, then four hours elective, and there's over 300 titles in North Carolina. Uh, and you have to do this annually to keep your license active. And uh, I created a new course called Introduction to Land Brokerage, which is a four-hour class. And I'll be teaching that uh, next Saturday virtually. So anybody out there listening like to join, even though it's not in your state, you won't get credit for the CE. But uh, welcome to come join us. And uh, you can contact me, and uh, we'll get you hooked up. So, uh, But uh, there's just no land education out there. And I'm finding I'm the only CE class on the subject of land in the United States. Iowa, if you called your real estate commission up, David, uh, you guys, I bet you don't have a course that's, denote, that's um, devoted to land education, do you? Not that I know of. Yeah, I can't uh, find it. Uh, no, not land specific. Yeah, I just can't find it. I'm kind of, that and this radio talk show, that's, uh, you want to learn about land, <laughs> it's kind of, uh, kind of the sources that are available today. But, um, Anyway, so you're also a member, obviously, of the Realtors Land Institute and, of course, the National Auctioneers Association, which used to be part of the Real, uh, uh, NAR, National Association of Realtors. It was part of it was a, uh, what we call a satellite. And then several years ago, they broke off and started their own association, which is great. And actually, I wrote a course for the North Carolina Board of Appraisers. Um, they have to have continuing education as well, especially if you're an MAI. Master's Appraiser Institute designation like the ALC. You have to be dual licensed with the Realtor's license and the auction license. And along with one of my buddies, uh, Ron Loftus, Loftus Appraisal, who's been one of the instructors for the association for a number of years, invited me to write a class on land, which we did. It was a four-hour seminar. It's called Rural Land Values. Is it an art or is it a science? And I've never enjoyed anything so much with over 80-some of the top appraisers in the state and all these different issues, uh, and we all determined after all that that, uh, you know, what's property worth? Well, it's what the buyer will pay and what the seller will accept, and all the other stuff is just opinions, uh, you know, to guide them. So, uh, you know, there's no, there's, you can have five appraisers appraise a piece of property, you can get five different uh, values and, and opinions, right? I mean, it's just what it is. And right. then, of course, you've got your auction, and your auction is probably the purest value because uh, it's pre-advertised. Uh, and due diligence, and and uh, and um, if that when that gavel goes down, so that's what that property's worth on that day and that time. So our guest today 
and is uh, for our 150th podcast is David Whitaker, uh, and uh, this is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale on LandHub.com. So, David, I really want to to uh, explain to us these new ways of marketing land. Uh, if you would, please, kind of maybe go back 10, 15 years, whatever, kind of where we were, because everything's moving so fast right now, especially technology uh, and websites and all the artificial intelligence and crowdfunding and paperless uh, real estate. And, you know, we've had all those different uh, subjects on the show. If you want to go back and listen to them. Uh, but kind of where we are today, and then let's, let's get the crystal ball out because uh, this, this world's changing very quick and what it's going to look like in the next period of time. And you can kind of bracket that uh, as you will. So let me turn it over to you, David. I'm going to listen. Well, sure. When, when we think of farmland uh, just as, as an asset class, if we think to the past, you know, some people even refer back to the Bible in Genesis where it says, uh, Cursed is the ground uh, because of you, you will toil in it and eat of it forever. Um, when we do a Google search of, of farmland of the past, we'll find that there's, you know, probably 250, 254 million acres of tillable soil um, that we as farmers get to utilize and, and uh, you know, make food off of that ground. So when I think to the past, Lou, of what farming um, has been way back to, uh, you know, 1800s, uh, farmer, uh, farmland equals farmer. That was the formula. Farmland equals farmer. And they had a direct correlation. And that was the end of the formula. The farmer would make food for his family, maybe even sell some extra, and they'd be done. If we fast forward to maybe... Uh, 1870s, I think, somewhere in there is about when the sharecropping came about. And we think about the tenant farmer. Uh, the tenant farmer evolved at that, uh, at that time and, and made more of a uh, lease system where it was either for uh, sharecrop or for uh, uh, compensation. Uh, a new somebody got involved in that formula. And it might be farmland equals uh, sharecrop equals tenant. You know, And so there was a couple more words. And then if we really, really fast forward to uh, today's farm operations, there's so many other words that fit into this formula. And um, not to take away from the old school farmer, but I'll use the term maybe old school farmer and new age farmer. And so today's uh, formula might look something like uh, a formula where there's business on each end, Lou. There'll be business equals farmland ownership equals rate of return equals investment equals cap rate equals ROI equals tenant. And they rent it out, cash rent. And then on the other side of the formula, it's tenant equals cash rent equals commodities equals uh, a, a way of life or a business uh, a, a, or a job rather equals business. So there's now business on both ends of the farmland equation that years ago was never there. And so um, the market has changed. And the way that we might market that uh, uh, asset in the future has changed. Let's, uh, let's peek ahead into our crystal ball for just a second. And when we just talk farmland, we'll get into marketing here in just a second, but okay. let's just talk farmland. And, and just farmland, what could it be? So farmland has always been uh, a way to make a commodity. So we raised corn, beans, wheat, cotton, etc. So that's what farmland has been historically. Um, what could it be? I, I don't know if you've uh, uh, how much a, a sustainable agriculture or ecology classes you've had, but there are a lot of talks of carbon credits and what that might mean for the future. And with new companies out there, such as Google, Microsoft, um, Tesla, wanting to have a greener uh, card to play, they want to buy carbon credits. And so let's pretend, let's just pretend in the future that maybe someday uh, the government requires everybody, not just businesses, but everybody to be carbon neutral. 
because we want to make sure we keep this land for the next generation. And this is this is out there, Lou. But let's just pretend for a second. Sure, I'm with you. Um, if if everybody had a carbon credit that we had to make up, we know how much you know what kind of car we drive, or how many miles a week we drive, and how much food we eat, etc. We'd have uh, each person in the world that would have to own, if you will, credits in farmland, because farmland helps bring back uh, a, a greener atmosphere. They could buy carbon credits. Um, the government came up with this even a few years back, even in the uh, 80s, I believe, there was carbon credits. And again, in uh, I think 20, 20 uh, what was it, 2003, 2003, somewhere in there. Right, yeah. um, but uh, just as, as we go through the farmland process, could the asset change? And what the usable, or as we as realtors say, highest and best use. So right now, the highest and best use is to make a commodity. I'm wondering if someday farmland isn't the commodity itself. I think that it kind of is becoming that way now. And then when it becomes the commodity, what do we use it for in the future? Is the crops just a side note? And is the real money made in carbon credits? Just an example of where we could look to to the future. But uh, what do you you think about that synopsis of farmland through the years? You know, actually, we've done three shows on carbon credits. Um, Steve Applebaum, who's an ecologist, um, uh, uh, brought that to uh, our show and then became the guest host uh, with one of the Duke University um, professors that's um, restoring a 10,000-acre peat moss uh, uh, bog down in the eastern part of the state. And then we had a company down in Houston, Texas, that are actually trading carbon credits, Uh, one of the first ones because now the instrumentation and I think it's about a five-year process, that's my understanding, now that the instrumentation has been virtually approved internationally, uh, now they feel comfortable in actually uh, doing the trades. And then we had another uh, guest uh, that we talked about tree uh, tree, uh, carbon credits, where you take your plantations that you normally harvest 26 to 32 years, 35 years, and if you allow those uh, same trees to stay in the ground for 60 years, you're not disturbing the car- carbon as quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we have covered that. Uh, but it's interesting that you point that out. Uh, I think you're right on on that. I think you're spot on. So, if for nothing else, I, I do believe even in today's market, not even being futuristic, that the formula has changed to where when I go to auctions, uh, there used to be a lot more emotion in the bidding process sure. um and and it was you know let's give this to the neighbor kid because he's he's done a good job and i know his parents and now it's just business yeah it's it's here's the rate of return here's the cap rate here's the dollar figure and let's sell it and bill gates is now the largest landholder in the united states <laughs> wonder why I, he also <clears throat> might need the carbon credits to wonder write why. off yeah, maybe possibly exactly. futuristic so. thinking but, Lou, that, that changes the way that we even market farms. So if we look back to how we may have marketed farms in the past or how realtors market stuff, uh, normally the, the uh, National Realtors Association might be a little bit uh, uh, more progressive than we are in uh, uh, land. So house realtors might be a little bit faster, quicker, bolder uh, to steal Century 21's uh slogan there smarter right. older faster exactly uh, they 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 tend to move a little quicker and they had to make that change so when we look at the demographic of who buys um houses it's normally you know 80 year olds normally don't buy a new house they don't upgrade not as often they normally have their forever home already uh normally younger people well with younger people brings younger mindset brings technology so when I look at farmland, uh, my, you reference two different companies I work for. One is Farmers National Company, and one is Whitaker Marketing Group that I own. And the reason I named it Whitaker Marketing Group, not Auction Company, was because nobody ever says, hey, Dave, can you talk fast? <laughs> they say, can you market my farm and get me the biggest return? Right. Can you market my asset and get me the highest price? Nobody, nobody ever asks, can you talk fast? Yeah, I can talk fast. I'm good at that. <laughs> but nobody ever asked that question. So 
I learned early on that it is relationships and marketing people's assets. So I tend to focus on the marketing aspect. And what I saw was that in farmland, we're still Kmart. We are, uh, Kmart's great. They've been around a long time. Um, But when somebody would ask me, well, who does more business today, Kmart or Amazon? I'm guessing your answer might be Amazon. I think they hold okay, that Okay, but who's been around longer? Surely that, that person that's been in business for, for 90 years, you have a great reputation. Surely they're the company to go with. Well, that's Kmart. So I can make the argument that uh, my uh, smarter, bolder, faster uh, 10-year-old company might be able to market your farmland better than that 100-year-old that been in business because it was my father's company, my father's company, and my father's company. So something for your listeners to think about when, they're, when they uh, talk about, uh, well, we've been in business 100 years. A guy like me might come in, and I might be able to sales pitch right around that 100 years. Well, they're probably still marketing what they did 100 years ago. But, uh, <clears throat> and don't forget the uh, RLI. Uh, that's the people you go to. That's number one uh, on the list, especially the accredited land consultant agents. Very much so. Very much so. So some of the things that uh, uh, when we think of okay, who first who our demographic is, how do we how do we know who our demographic is? Okay. Um, I've I've heard a lot of land sales companies talk that well it's it's eighty year olds. Well, it might be eighty year old uh, Korean War uh, era people that sell due to the fact that they need to move into a retirement home and they might need the the capital or liquidity. Most of the farms I see sell actually are after somebody passed away. And when somebody passed away, then their kids are now the decision makers. That's right. And when their kids are the decision makers, uh, maybe they get stepped up basis or a 1031 implication. Then the sellers of our farmland now just turned into 40 to 50 year olds instead of, uh, you know, even, even maybe even past the boom, the baby boomer generation. So we're, we're nipping right now or, or kind of just as we look through time is, is it's always the next generation that might be making those decisions. So when I think of how we're going to market your farm, where are those people going to be looking for business? So just like an ALC, an RLI consultant, you can hop right on the website. And when they type in farmland expert, they're probably going to find me and you. That's correct. That's who they're going to find. By the way, David, I always say the one generation makes the money and the second generation uh, spends it all. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well, that's not not too far off. Yep. So we got got, uh, a demographic that we first look at, and then we try to figure out how to market to that demographic. And then who's the buyers? Who's the sellers? Um, and are we just marketing to sellers? Are we going to be a land agent that just sells property? If we do auctions, normally the auction always represents the seller. That's correct. Even even listing-wise, we oftentimes represent a seller. Uh, but having a buyer or being a buyer's agent on land, and there's lots of investors that are out there looking and saying, hey, Dave, I got $1.5 million, five, I got $10 million, I'd like to reinvest it. I got 1031 and 45 days to recognize, uh, find me this. I need a 3% rate of return. I need a uh, XYZ deliverable. So where do they find us? What I'm seeing, and uh, hopefully your listeners are seeing it as well, is a change happening that uh, we we are smack dab in the middle of old school and new age advertising to where I don't think we're set to do either one currently we need to do both yeah i think you're spot so, on right there yeah definitely we we got to hit the uh uh when, when we think of old school advertising i'll give some examples so okay. uh, a postcard and i'll, I'll make a, a direct mail postcard and we'll send it out to everyone uh, within 10 miles of the farm because typically in the midwest anyway the people who might buy the farmland live within 10 miles and they are able to move their equipment around and plant corn beans you know etc so normally that's a pretty good market um it's a very expensive way to market but it is a good way to market um and i'll tell you i go to every one of our auctions at farmers national company and i ask every person who checks in how did you hear about the auction sure number one answer sign on the property (laughs) number two answer postcard in the mail is that right they still do that a lot more 
before I'm getting digital advertising, okay. Facebook, uh, social media. Uh, I saw it on Google. I saw it on the Weather Channel, etc. So that we're, we need to we need to fit into both markets right now, and maybe be moving towards the more digital market. And so I look. Our, at, I, I'm going to break in. Our guest today is David Whitaker. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com, for sell your land, land of your dreams. So we're talking about the old way of marketing, David, and, and, and the new way of marketing, and, and we're kind of stuck in between. So how do we get unstuck? Oh, boy, that's a loaded question. And well, I'll, you're the one to answer it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there, there might be some things that I could tell your listeners, Lou, that uh, maybe they don't know about. So let me just talk about some new school marketing, if you will. Yeah, please. Um, some of the old... Some of the old school was definitely the postcards, the sign in the yard. Uh, maybe some folks do MLS. And then just a lot of personal connections. And the guy that was connected the most probably got the most deals. If he had the biggest network of influencers, bankers, attorneys, uh, you, you know, land professionals, uh, that's, that's the guy that got a lot of business. Um, anymore, you see a lot of uh, digital marketing coming in that's almost scary. And, and what I mean by that is, so on the back end of Google, okay, Google, number one search engine in the world, um, also owns YouTube, a video, uh, a place to watch videos, number two search engine in the world, okay? Number three site in the world, Facebook. Uh, number four getting up there is Instagram. Well, who owns Instagram? Facebook. And so we're, we, we have two big players out there with a lot of data. And I'm going to refer to this statement a bunch, and it's data is the currency of the Internet. And data will be the currency of how we do business in the future and the currency of farming. So even when we think of farming, we think of new data. We have uh, uh, soil depth. We have uh, hydraulic down pressure. We have uh, population rate. We have a ton of new technology, seed coatings, et cetera, et cetera. I go on for days of technology in farming. So when we think about that, we think, wait a minute, are our farmers just guys in coveralls that really don't know that much, or are they really high-tech individuals? They're really high-tech individuals. So are they also on high-tech platforms to buy your farm? You know, probably so. So let me go into some of the new ways. Okay. First, uh, with Facebook. Uh, so I don't know how many of your listeners might be on Facebook, but social media platform, uh, a ton, a ton of users. At first I had a, uh, a bunch of people say, well, older demographic is not on Facebook. I would argue that to anybody that, yes, there is an older demographic, and I think the baby boomer generation is one of the largest growing demographics on Facebook. And so they're there, and Facebook has data. We, as individuals, give them all of our information. Here's my name. Here's who I'm connected to. Here's my address. Here's where I went to school. Hey, I also am married. I'm about this age because you want to give me a birthday notification. Hey, I also like John Deere because uh, something popped up, and I like John Deere. I also worked uh, at uh, um, uh, Ag Leader. So we just gave them, you know, 25 points, data points. I said data is the currency of the Internet. So now as a marketer, I'm going to go in and create an ad on Facebook, and I'm going to say land's for sale. But I'm going to really target. I want people that are married because historically my buyers are married. Well, guess what? You already told Facebook that you were married, so now I've already singled you out. And then you told them that you were 68 years old. I know that my demographic normally is between 40 and maybe 65 that want to buy farmland and have the wherewithal to do it. So I'll tell Facebook, hey, Facebook, I only want my ad to run in front of this demographic age-wise. And then I know that you happen to live uh, in northwestern Iowa where there's more of a, uh, a Dutch population and, uh, and Catholic might be the religion or something of that nature. I can target as, as, as deep as that, Lou. I can target down to where, where, what religion you might like because you might have put that on Facebook. If you're married, how many kids you have, um, what income bracket you're in, um, how long you've lived at your current location, and do you happen to like uh, auctiontime.com? Do you happen to like uh, uh, Lou's podcast? Do you happen to like the Realtor Land Institute? Have you visited the Realtor Land Institute website? So I can pick a specific website and say, hey, 
Facebook, anybody that's visited Realtor Land Institute website, they might be looking for land. Put my ad in front of them. And let me tell you, it does a fantastic job. Yeah, it does. I've it, used it. Yeah. The only thing I don't put in that list is my shoe size. So other than that, we, <laughs> there you covered go. it pretty there good. You go. Yeah. <laughs> so then then most people don't know this, but you can make a lookalike audience. Have you ever heard of that, Lou? Have heard of that lookalike? You're teaching me a lot today. So a lookalike audience is an audience where we can say, okay, here's everybody we know that came that 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 uh, uh, let me back up one step. First first thing we gotta do is make what's called a pixel. Okay, there's a thing out there called a pixel. There's Google Pixels, there's Facebook Pixels. What is a pixel? A pixel is just a code that you put on your website. Uh, more data. Data is the currency of the Internet. So we put this pixel on our website, and then we went out and advertised all these people on Facebook, and some of them clicked it, some of them didn't. I want to know who clicked it. Well, the pixel is a code on the back end of our website. Get with your website developer. They'll help you with this if you yeah. don't know. And it will remember everybody that came to your website from that ad that you placed. And so that's tracking. It's tracking all the time. So it tracked who came. So now let's sharpen this pencil even more, Lou. Now let's make a lookalike audience. So now we say, hey, Facebook, hey, Google, hey, Internet. These are the people that we advertised to last week. Here's who showed up at our website. Go to the Internet and search and tell me what they all have in common. Hey, they all live within 50 miles of this farm. They all go to uh, uh, this school, or all they all graduated with a, uh, with a uh, uh, high school degree from this school. They all are about this demographic. They're all married. They all have two kids. They all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now it really refines that pencil. It just keeps sharpening what they call the sales funnel. It keeps getting sharper towards the end. And then we say, hey, Facebook, go find more people that look just like them. We don't even know who they are. Facebook does. Facebook, with, with nine things, I read a book that said Facebook has nine likes. If you click like on Facebook nine times, it knows more about you than your spouse does. Oh, I'm going to quit doing that. <laughs> so that's scary. Yeah, it is. So it, it's scary, but it's scary awesome if you're a marketer. And so with that being said, I want it to go out and find a lookalike audience. And then what does it do? just sharpens the pencil. It refines the engine. And it's just a repeatable process that goes over and over. And then we can say anybody that clicked our, our ad, keep putting it in front of them. So if they've ever clicked it before or they ever searched for something. So on Google, we can go out there and say, if you've ever typed in land for sale, I want to follow you around the Internet. Gotcha. And I know that's a broad term that I don't like to use, follow you around the Internet. But in a sense, that's what data is doing. It knows that you go to Wall Street Journal. It knows that you go here, there, everywhere. And so what it's going to do is it's going to place those ads up in front of you on those spots. Those are called remarketing ads. So what I'm saying is there's a whole digital footprint way to market to people, even where we can double. So I talked about new school and old school. Let's take the old school postcards. We have a mailing list. Uh, I just read about IP targeting. Okay, IP stands for Internet Protocol. It's an address on your computer. So just like you might not give your address in public, uh, maybe it's in the phone book, I can go to a computer phone book and look up where you're coming from. Where are you searching my site from? Where are you searching from land from? Hey, this guy's from North Carolina. This guy's from Montana. This guy's from wherever. And I can strategically put ads in front of you that, that I know you'll like based on what you've previously clicked. So there's a thing called IP targeting where I can take that list that we would normally take and mail a postcard to, upload this list to the Internet, and say, hey, Internet, go find these people's matching IP address to their physical address. So it knows where you live, 123 Main Street. Oh, and here's your IP address, uh, 196-928-3974 or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And then so it says we put a postcard in front of you in hand. But just in case you didn't get that, we also put digital ads in front of you at cabelas.com because we know you like to shop at cabelas.com. So that might be the direction we're heading in the future. So you have uh, new school and old school, and I'll just table it there because I probably already, I probably already confused you too much of, of where you could go. Just realize there are so many avenues that you could market that way digitally and um our competition is definitely doing it i know mine is um 
And so we need to maybe make the transition from Kmart to Amazon. Now, does Kmart is Kmart closed all their doors yet? No. There is still value in face-to-face, relationship-built. Don't get me wrong if you're listening and saying, wow, this guy's way off base. It's all tech. It's not all tech. A handshake goes much farther than a Facebook ad. However, I think we need to be doing multiple levels of marketing right now. Well, I like your salad, and I appreciate the steak. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice menu there. Definitely. There is uh, – um, uh, I think you've interviewed, as I, as I listen to your podcast myself, uh, uh, like Farmland Finder. Turva. Yes, absolutely. Have you heard of those uh, companies before? Uh, Farmland Finder I've had on. The other one I haven't. I'd love to. Maybe you can help me get them on and be my uh, guest so host with them. There, there are companies out there. Um, Farmland Finder is an example um, that uh, they, they are scrubbing the Internet. Scrubbing, what does that mean? They're searching the Internet for uh, people, farms, uh, all of our websites for land for sale, and they're putting it out there like a Zillow that now interested parties can search one platform. The Zillow of farmland is how they started. They since pivoted since then. Um, but even Landwatch, Lands of America, uh, Land Hub, all, all these different, there's a lot of people fighting for the biggest digital footprint that's out there. So, and eventually, what could happen? So let's let's take this. Let me scare maybe your land sell land sales listeners for just a second. Um, Lou, have you heard of Auction Time or Sandhills Publishing? I haven't. Please, please uh, so, turn to some. So they sell a lot of equipment, and and they started out a long time ago where it was Tractor House Magazine, and they sell advertisement. Okay, they sell advertisement at Tractor House Magazine owned by the parent company, Sandhills Publishing. Then what they did is they moved forward and, and uh, they got all the dealerships, best move ever. They went and got every dealership in the country, said, we'll give you a free website. And they put a free website out there and said, just list your inventory on this. Well, what did everybody do? They listed their inventory. This was pretty fast and quick and awesome. And they, they all just listed their inventory. And then what happened was uh, just a little bit later, uh, years down the road, they, they went forward and they put this little button that says advertise with us. And so uh, all of the um, dealerships could just click this one more button. All their inventory was already in there. And they said, hey, we can advertise with them now. And so they did. They, they started advertising with them and by just a click of a button. And fast forward a few years later, there was this button called auction time. Same database, same inventory. They had all the data, and they just went and said, can you just click this button now, and this button will automatically post it online, and you can sell it with us. Well, a lot of auctioneers were worried about that. Well, why did people go to Auction Time or Sandals Publishing? Years ago, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to it here in just a second. There was a guy uh, out in Virginia that I took a class um, I took a class that said uh, um, uh, it was marketing. Okay, it was part of CAI, part of that uh, Certified Auction Institute, and he and, and he said he's doing self-managed auctions. And I thought, what in the world is a self-managed auction? It's where the customer can sell it themselves, is what it is. And I said, well, why in the heck would they come to you as a marketer? And without skipping a beat, he said, because I have the marketplace. And I thought to myself, huh, either that was incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. But I didn't know quite yet. Two years later, this company called Facebook invented Facebook Marketplace, where the customer can go in there, they can type the category, they can type what they're selling, list a price, it asks you some questions, and all of a sudden, boom, you can sell it. And they they have all the data of who who wants what, who's looking for this. If somebody's clicked on a camper, they're going to put your camper in front of them. If somebody clicked on a plow, they're going to put your plow in front of them. They have the marketplace. So I would ask myself, who has the marketplace for land? Big million-dollar question there. Okay, so I asked, uh, I asked uh, um, uh, Sandhills Publishing the other day, could you market a farm for me? And what I want to target is every person that has ever bid on a 100-horsepower tractor in Story County, Iowa. Could you do that? Without skipping a beat? Oh, yeah. We could do that. Really? I said, how do you know that? They said, we have the data. They have the data. They know every person that has ever bid on a 100-horsepower tractor in Story County, Iowa. I'm going to argue those might be my buyers for farmland. If that's the case, boy, they, they have a solution for me. 
So companies like uh, uh, Farmland Finder want to get the data. Uh, uh, you know, Landwatch.com, Lands of America, everybody's fighting for this position of who has the marketplace in farmland. I'm scared a little bit by the fact that uh, Sandhills Publishing, if they wanted to, they could build an app and say, hey, farmers, sell your own farm. Well, why would they go to them? Well, because they have the marketplace. And, it, and, and Sandhills Publishing will do a great job of just putting it out there and saying, okay, let's market. They know who to market to. They're very good at it. They do it with equipment, farm equipment. Could they do that locally with, with just an app? Now, will people sell their own stuff is the next question. Um, as an auctioneer, when eBay came around years ago, every auctioneer was like, oh, my God, this is going to kill us. This is going to kill us. And I think all it did was actually promote auctions. More people uh, were readily available, but people still want to hire service. So what do we do, Lou? We are service people. Um, that's why I hire an ALC is because we are service people that are educated in land. But we also still offer a service. So when people are busy and they want to spend $1.5 million and don't have time to search for their own farm, they call us and we help them with the service. We help them with the paperwork, the deed, the declaration of value, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where maybe this digital world won't fast forward as, as, as quick as it looks, but just be cognizant it's out there. Somebody could possibly make a marketplace that would sell their own farm, um, and that's what Tillable is. Tillable right now, you can sell your own farm, you can lease out your own farm, and as, as the whole world is being trained by Amazon and, uh, and Facebook right now, they're being taught to do it themselves. They're being taught to bid online. They're being taught what digital signatures and solutions are. So how far in the future is it where people might just try to sell their own farmland and or sign a paper digitally and, and somebody has a flat fee and, and uh, might rule us out of business? I just say to listeners, be cognizant that uh, it's, it's not crazy that far away. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here listening to all this, and I'll be 72 in July. So, um, you know, I'll be upstairs not too long, and you guys can have all this. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's fascinating. And this, I mean, this is going so fast. This What you're talking about right now, I was aware of little pieces of it. But thank you, David. I mean, for our 150 podcasts, you're putting gold rings around it. This is an incredible show. I hope... Uh, you stay on uh, the air here and, and listen to the, what David has to say with the rest of the show. Uh, all right. We've got cold chills on my, on my arms right now. Where are we going next? Well, I, you know, I don't know how much time we have. Uh, maybe a you couple about, of minutes here. you got about 10 or 15 uh, seconds. I'd just tell, uh, you know, all the listeners to be cognizant and maybe ask more questions and, and don't uh, rule out um, – you know, thinking that we've always done business this way, to have that open mind of, of what we could do moving forward. I know I thought I had it figured out. Of course, every sure. year older I get, I think I have it figured out. And then it changes, and it changes, and it changes. And even to the effect that some of the things that I had talked about uh, with Facebook just changed recently because um, the government stepped in and said, hey, uh, that, that's too much information it's too much information. You can't know that much. Everybody already knows everything about everybody. Yeah, really. <laughs> the data is out there and you can purchase it. Um, if you, if you want to market, uh, I'd encourage people to look at companies like AccuData, A-C-C-U data. AccuData is a company. I had a, uh, a multi-million dollar um, uh, place on Lake of the Ozarks uh, and uh, a little fancy and, but it was a nice, fancy ranch, and I thought to myself, man, I don't know that I have the buyers for this. And as a smaller guy, I thought, I don't know if I have the buyers for this, but can I implore some uh, data company to help me with this? Sure can. So I went out to AccuData.com and said, I would like to buy a list of every, every person that uh, um, they have consumer reporting records and credit card records. I said, anybody that's ever bought a marine product, so that could be a boat, that could be a, 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 a buoy, that could be a fishing pole, anybody that's ever bought something of this nature. But it had to be at least $30,000 or more. Okay. And I said, can you, can you guys give me that data? I said, sure can. 
I said, then I want, it was, it was also a ranch, 600 and some odd acres. And, and so I said, I also want people that I think might buy this are equestrian buyers or maybe bovine or cattle buyers, a lot of cattle pasture with it. Mm-hmm. So I said, can, can we, so I want them to have spent money on marine because they probably like Lake of the Ozarks and probably want to live close to a lake, but they also probably like cattle or horses. And they probably also make a, you know, gross income of at least 100000 a year, if not more than that. And we can target all the way to, it must make at least a million dollars a year. Right. Now, I, I can't target discretionary income, but I can target wages. And so we targeted those three attributes right there. And we were able to hone in on um, people across the country. And it gave me a list of, I think, 8,000 people. And I took that list, and all I did with it was put it on the Internet and said, hey, Google, hey, Facebook, uh, hey, every other social media platform, these are my customers. Surely you know who they are. Go find them based on these demographics. And I uploaded a list of who they were, and it went and put the ad in front of all of them, and we got the farm sold. Oh, my gosh. And we were able to market. Did, did we send out postcards locally? Nope. Did we send out, you know, this was a whole different you know, thought process. So to your listeners, maybe think more like a buyer. Who wants to buy this farm and why? And now let's go use those reasons to target them, target marketing. You, you, you need to write a class. You, you, this would be a great new RLI class, I tell you. This is some incredible stuff. Can I ask kind of what that particular project cost on your marketing? Just to kind of sure. benchmark. Sure. I. I, uh, to buy a list like that cost me about $700, okay. so not a crazy amount of money uh, when you're talking a $6 million ranch or a $3 million or a $2 million ranch. Um, and then when you go online, it's, it, you'll hear words CPM and uh, CPC, cost per click or, or cost per impression. Uh, we used to have hits. This many people hit my website. Right. Now it's cost per click. I only want to pay if the person clicks on my ad. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay if they don't click. Sure. I only want people that are interested in this farm. And so when we talk cost per click, um, it costs me around uh, eight cents per click most of the time to get somebody uh, to my deal. So I'll drop a budget of a thousand dollars on Google and say, Google, go ahead and put this in a million eyes, and I only want to pay $0.07 cents if they want to come to my website. So we might get to the day where, where when we go to market to somebody and, and they say, uh, you know, well, how XYZ company is going to market? And, and we'll say my competitor XYZ says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make 1,500 brochures and hang them around the area. And I might come in and say, how many million people would you like me to put your ad in front of? Because I can tell you, for for every $400, I can put it in front of a million people, okay? And and we can do that with analytics. So if you're a listener and you don't have Google Analytics, you should go research what Google Analytics is. So I can tell you on the back end of my website who clicks the button. Why do they click the button? What time of day do they click the button? And what mobile device were they on when they clicked the button? So, Lou, I can target – I know that my users, 67% of them, are on a mobile device, and moreover, uh, moreover than that, uh, most of them that use a mobile device are using a mobile device that is an iPhone, and it's an iPhone 8 or newer. Well, when I go to make those ads, I can target people that just use an iPhone 8 or newer. Wow. And so there's, there's many ways to do that, but we have to know what's called a key performance indicator, KPIs, if this, then that. If I know that they're going to watch my ads at 7 o'clock at night, when should I place my ads? 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> so we, we, we have, we have uh, indicators on the back end that will help us make those decisions. You still haven't put the shoe size in there. That must not be important. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. We, we, did, we, we, can, we can target what color truck you drive, but we, we can't target your shoe size. Well, I bet you can if you really dig into it. Because people buy can. shoes well, and they put it yeah, they, you know, the, I, the phone shows they're in the shoe store and their credit card shows they bought size nine shoes. Yep. Right? And if, it, I, can, if I can make a, make a plug for another organization, of that course, is please. Uh, the National Auctioneers Association. Yep, that's a great one. A lot of what I've learned, I've learned from a class they have that's called AMM, Auction Marketing Management. Just like the ALC designation, 
The National Auctioneers Association has a designation for marketing individuals, auction marketing management. And it is a course that you take over over time and get a, a accreditation as well. I'm writing all this down. And I would recommend everybody take that class. Um, and don't rule out the National Auctioneers Association. They are some very, very progressive thinkers. Um, uh, I know I have a lot of land professionals near me. They're all realtors, but they're not uh, they're not necessarily uh, members of the auction association. Sure. They don't see the value. I, I can preach some value to you. Absolutely. Now. David, is there one place our listening audience can go to to get this information from you? Is it posted anywhere, or are they just going to have to have the one-on-one? Um, there is, is, I know your marketing site has a lot of good I do good actually thoughts. teach for Western College of Auctioneering, and I teach uh, digital marketing and, uh, and technology in the auction industry at Western College of Auctioneering. Okay. And so that might be a place that they could actually go, um, and, and that's just, I happen to just be a teacher there, and I've written some classes for that, but uh, I, I, that's where that auction marketing management class comes in. They're, they're the brightest out there. They're fantastic. I bet. I bet. <laughs> so. Wow. How long does it take to get that um, uh, auction marketing? And you don't have to be an auctioneer, obviously, to uh, – not obviously, but you don't have to be a licensed auctioneer to take that course, do you? No, and most of the people that actually take it are business owners that went and took it. They they, they prime the pump and realize, wow, there's a lot I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to send my office gal to this class. And then the next year, the office gal comes to the class with them, or, or guy, sure. and uh, and they're like, hey, you're my digital person. You're younger than me. You need to know this. I just know that I, I need to know more than I know. And so a lot of times the first year person just goes and like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you could do any of this. And then the next year person is like, okay, I'm the kid that was hired to learn all of this to help Golly. out Bob or Dave or Bill or Joe or whoever it is. Um, no, you do not have to be an auctioneer. You do have to be a member uh, to attend auction marketing management, which is uh, uh, one of the values of being a member. But uh, it is a uh, uh, great class. takes a couple of weeks. takes a couple of weeks to go through it. You've been a great guest today. How do people get in touch with you? And I want to have you back because uh, you just got so much good stuff. Sure. Uh, my website, I'm iowalandguy.com. My uh, uh uh, handle a lot of social media platforms is just the land guy you can find me on twitter facebook uh, instagram any of those at the land guy and then uh, uh my email i'll give my email out to everybody and it's d my last name d whitaker w-h-i-t-a-k-e-r at farmersnational.com thank you so much you've been a great guest today and thank you for joining us today let us know how you like the show if you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we would appreciate them. All of our questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. This show is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source for land education. All of our shows are downloaded after the show this morning on our master website, www.letstalkland.net. It's .net. You'll also find us on Spotify and Podbean. And my email address is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My cell number is 336-669-1405. Hey, we really want to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. If you're looking to buy or sell land, landhub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. They're my favorite land website to go to so please uh, check them out Rodney, how do you get in touch with us here well lou they can go to our website go to wkte1090.com and also download the simple radio app and hear us anywhere in the world how simple is that it is very very simple do you have to know how to spell the word simple uh, that would help maybe. Yeah, okay. yeah but then after you do that you have to do something else right you have oh to put yeah in the station yeah just put in wkte 1090 a.m and there it'll pop right up but it is your favorites. And guess what you get to listen to? Happy, happy music. Only Good. happy music. That's right. You know, we're, we're, getting, we're doing a contest concurrently, and we're taking our beautiful logo, mm -hmm. which is a wave, right? Yep, that's right. And we're asking anyone that would like to participate. Uh, none of our employees and, or uh, myself can be part of that. But if you can take that image and make it happy, 
And one little thought I had was uh, we play happy music, just the lettering and incorporated with the logo, for example. Yeah. It's something that shows because we want to be the number one happy radio show and uh, radio station in the country. That's right. And we want to convey that. So mm -hmm. uh, the contest will end at the end of this uh, June, and uh, and we'll be given a $500 cash award. That's right. With exchange for rights to use that logo, which we will promote. That's it. So uh, anyway, so we play beach music and oldies, mm -hmm. only happy music. That's it. And we've won some national awards. Yeah, six years in a row being the number one beach and oldies radio station on the East Coast. Interesting. Yes. And very. you got a nice award. Yeah, the Reader's Choice Award for Announcer of the Year. Wow. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us.